Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Get ready for a little surf and turf action on Midnight Run Through, a podcast miniseries devoted to celebrating the 1988 contemporary classic action buddy comedy Midnight Run, written by George Gallo and directed by Martin Brass. Co-hosted by me, Jen Johans from Watch with Jen. And me, Blake Howard from One Hate Minute Productions. Each week, we'll explore the film we first bonded over when we became friends in 2019 by surfing through the incredible roster of guests from journalists to novelists and beyond who love it as much as we do. Digging into Serrano's finances and Alonzo Mosley's FBI files, come with us on Midnight Run Through as we crisscross the United States with the characters played by Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, John Ashton, Yafit Koto, Dennis Farina, Philip Baker Hall, Joe Pantoliano, and company on screen. Today, our guests are... Hi, my name is Dan Mecca, co-founder of The Film Stage and co-host of the B-Side Podcast. Hi, uh, my name is Connor O'Donnell, and I am the co-host and producer of The B-Side Podcast. But before we go any further, let's kick things off on Jack Walsh's old turf with the ultimate question. Why were you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? <laughs> <laughs> why? I need to know. Why are you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? What did you do in Chicago, Connor? Well, you see, there was this heroin dealer. Um, no. I, Such a okay. handsome Farina, I feel. Very, the, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of, oh. there's a lot of. Drip Lord. Peak hot. Peak looks. Like, yeah. I. Peak De Niro. Yeah, like. Uh, I guess like Gruden looked, looked better. Yeah, yeah, peak. Oh, yeah, peak Phil Baker Hall for sure. I guess Grodin looked better in like foul play and stuff when he was really like, because he's an older guy. Sure, he's even, right. he's like older in this movie even, you know? Right. But he still looks great though. And then like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I so okay, re, so rewatching this, of course, for the 47th time or whatever. It's funny how my favorite thing in the whole movie is Marvin, like, look out. Like, that, <laughs> I think the thing that struck me rewatching this for the millionth time was like almost the sneaky thing about Midnight Run is that there's nothing complicated about it right like and i would even argue the jokes aren't it's not like even a sophisticated like all of the jokes are just jokes that anybody else would make and it's not there's not like some highfalutin thing there's not like much under the surface that's not a diss like and i think what it really is is the energy yeah mm-hmm. I was, you just like is there another movie say. that has so purpose perf- perfectly like bottled just manic energy it's very interesting i was really like because it's not even like it's a crazily fast-paced movie but i feel like martin brest like was a master 
for at least for like two movies of like and that's that's like a thing he liked to do though right like he liked to strip things down yeah to their to their barest Mm -hmm. essentials and i think that's what gives obviously like this incredible screen pairing of Groden and De Niro which like so I had watched this a few weeks ago just to like watch it um and then I rewatched it last night before recording but a few weeks ago I just observed like what an absolute crime it is that we didn't get seven more De Niro Groden not like War Midnight runs but like it it wasn't a huge hit It, it did okay but I think it was regarded as like, oh, this didn't really work when it came out. Like, I, that's like half true. Because I think like, you know, George Gallo, who I have a weird family connection with, which we can get it. So this movie, he wrote this. And obviously he went, he continues to have a very, he makes a lot of stuff. Like he mm-hmm. had a lot to do with bad boys, right? Which is, I always think is funny because it's like, of course he did. Because it's like <laughs> Bad Boys is the first Bad Boys is so much like Midnight Run. It is crazy. Like, yeah. and it's different, kind of, in that it's not a road trip movie, but only in that. Like, it's really very similar, right? Yeah. Like, and um, and it's great. And it's great. And I think is um is it feels very interesting. So it's like people got careers off this movie. You know, Martin Brest went on to, you know, get Oscar attention for his next movie. So it's not like this didn't stop anybody. But it wasn't like a starter either, right? And I think yeah. you know it took De Niro a while to make another comedy. You know, he you know he does Mad Dog and Glory that doesn't really count. It's like a different type of thing. But if you mm-hmm. analyze this, Meet the Parents is like when he starts to really lean in. You know, it's like oh, he and he also did Midnight Run ten years ago, and that was actually pretty good, right? But it's like right. it gets a weird sequel with Christopher McDonald, I guess. Couple I weird sequels yeah, with Christopher McDonald, yeah. couple yeah. TV ones. movies or whatever, yeah. I just think in 2023, we're so much more ready for someone who is at the peak hotness of their career to be hilarious. Like, you know, Ryan Gosling taught us with the nice guys and now Mm -hmm. the upcoming Barbie that like as hot as you could possibly be is the perfect time for you to be funny. And um, I can speak because our one of the foundations of our relationship, um, my my great co-host here, my the Grodin to my De Niro is that... um, (laughs) Robert De Niro is as hot as he's ever been in this movie and he's so hot and grumpy and cantankerous and just an absolute shit that that he's I don't know if people were ready for how funny and how much of a dirtbag he was it was peak De Niro dirtbag it was great he's got peak peak hotness De Niro exists because he's got amazing i can fix him energy like you know like he that's does. the thing like it's got he's got like a very you very just much you just hit you, you just did a head you know that phrase like the kids say headshot like when you, you yeah know, it's no, a headshot. That's, that, that's what that was it is. a jen it's... johan's headshot you just got jen jen's like i can fix him i could have yeah. fixed him and it's it's i well because it's i can think of all the you know, if I'm thinking like around this time, hot De Niro, which like Jen, I know another movie that we've talked about in the past that a few of us love here is uh, falling in love. Love right? it with him yeah. and Streep. And he's like a total little snack in that, too. At his most beautiful. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And granted, he's like kinder and softer in that yes. movie than than he is in this. But like so it's like if it's almost like if. I feel like Jack Walsh, and I can't remember his name in in Falling in Love, 
But Jack Walsh is like the Venn diagram of Robert De Niro's character in Falling in Love and Neil McCauley. Yeah. And so you're just like, oh, what? just on screen, you're like, what a man. Like, I just, <laughs> you know, um, and it's, it, he, does, it's, he looks great in uh, Heat, too. He does. What yeah. A, yeah, he's got that. He really... ruined dudes for me in the 90s <laughs> and growing up. Yes, for sure. Um, and it's, it, I, Frank, it's, can I just say Frank Raftis? Frank Raftis in Falling in Love. Interesting name. Okay. Oh, okay. that's his character's name. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, hmm. No, and it's it's funny to think about him in this movie and then like the, the sliding doors version of it where like they wanted Cher instead of Groden. And um, I, I, I don't want to change this movie in any way because it's a perfect film. Mm-hmm. But I would watch the De Niro Cher 1990. Oh. Yeah, like, well, you know, that, and it's that movie does sound hot as hell. If I'm yeah. being it took, it <laughs> took them a long time to get to Grodin, mm-hmm. and because they had trouble casting against De Niro, right? And I yes. think, um, of course they did, right? I mean, I think that's what makes the movie even more strange and wonderful. Where it's like, how, why does it work? You're like watching it, and you're like, I don't really get it because it's like. In my memory, I'm always like, oh, well, Grodin's hamming it up and De Niro's playing it straight. But that's not really true at all. It's almost the reverse a little yeah. bit. Right? Like, like, and I yeah. watching it watching it yet again last night, I was like, oh, yeah. It's like not because there's so many where he's like, we're like, De Niro has so many funny and they're not like funny. because It's not like Meet the Parents funny where it's like, well, he's playing De Niro and it's funny because Stiller's right there. It's like, no, it's like he's. You know, even the last line of the movie is funny. Like, guess I'm walking. You're like <laughs> one of my favorite last moments of any movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. You have changed. You have changed. Your Get lost, you bum. It's like, he's guess got, I'm walking. Um, so funny. He's, he's got so many. I mean, you mentioned the mania, right, Dan, that this movie like bottles. And I think that yeah. that succeeds for a lot of reasons. One is like the f- fucking killer Elfman score, which like mm. in the mm-hmm. world of Elfman scores, you know, everyone talks about the Tim Burton stuff and they should. Those are great scores. Iconic. But like the score to this movie is a fucking bop. Like every time it drops, you're like, let's fucking go. Just it's <laughs> jaunty. It's a, it's a jaunty score. Well, this right? is also Elfman is in like fuck you mode. Not to pardon my French, but like he, this is Elfman like out to prove. Like he's a composer and he yeah. talked, he's talked about it. Like he's, you know, was a very abrasive and right. and you know pissed a lot of people off but mm-hmm. he was like i'm not just the ungo boingo guy like watch me fucking do this like i'll do this next watch me now and like i think did kind of change the landscape of like you know elfman like did everything right and he obviously he's still around but it's like and i think to your point connor who thinks of this and is like oh that elfman score but right. it's like you just score you is you wouldn't know unless you read the credit you know what yeah. i mean like you wouldn't you wouldn't think about it but it really does have a lot, a lot to do with it. But even outside of that, like De Niro, De Niro works because of his like physical mania. Right. And the perfect thing is that I don't know if there's another actor in the history of like comedy in movies that does more with stillness than Grody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, like, I don't want to say silence because obviously there are many great, very funny silent film stars and whatever, but I mean like physical stillness and silence, right? And like that's Groden's weapon and it's amazing. And especially when you, whether he's doing it like, you know, whether he's just 
handcuffed outside a phone booth while De Niro's on the phone and he's kind of hanging his head and just waiting there. Like, it's like always you're it's it's like Chekhov's Groden. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, wait, like you're waiting for it to kind of come alive. And but that's part of the humor. And Dan, you and I were even talking about like the the bit. Um, and I forget exactly where it is in the movie. Maybe you can remind me, but where De Niro's on the phone. Oh, and he, and he, and he shakes his head. He's yeah. talking yeah. to Joey Pants. Oh, God, and, I and love De Niro that. Does, the best. He's like, I, I'm going to shoot this guy and I dump him in the river. And he shakes his and head. And he looks over at Grody and he silently <laughs> shakes his head, which I realized, like, Dan sent me that clip and I started guffawing. And, like, I realized that, and it, to your point earlier, Dan, like, the jokes in this movie, they're, like, jokes. They're not, any, yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're not. They're things like, any movie could do. It's not specific yeah. to this movie, but it employs all of it so well. And like, I realize when an actor does that, does like the says one thing to one person, but then turns to another and like shakes their head or whatever, it works every time. It's like yeah. such yeah. a good little <laughs> thing. And like De Niro well, you know, too, has the kind of manic energy to carry that through. They're not, they're, it's timeless, right? And I think that's another thing. Like if you think about things like, identity thief the bounty hunter right people have been trying to make midnight run forever yeah. right yes mm -hmm. and i think sometimes you can make bad boys and it basically works right we you know you can do it it's not like it hasn't been done i don't think i wouldn't i don't know that i'd say any of them are as good as midnight and it's run. worth noting that midnight run is also to a degree it's just it happened one night right like it's yeah. It is. It's it's in and of itself yeah. part of mm -hmm. just a long. Well, and it's tradition, also coming right? on the heels of right. It's like forty eight hours is like people always reference that as the original buddy comedy. That's not right. really true if you think about something like the Defiant Ones, which isn't really comedy, yeah. but it does have jokes. Like mm -hmm. they're buddy things. You know, it's not. There is a framework, but it's certainly in the eighties. It was like it became. Yeah. uh California Walter, Walter. Split kind of is California yeah. Split. Yeah. You know, Hickey, Hickey yeah. and Boggs, mm -hmm. Freebie and the Bean. Right there. Certainly, there were like In versions of this. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, think about literally shows like I Spy or like, yeah, right, 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 like it's it's happening a lot. And I think it almost you reach your, we talk about peak hotness. It's almost like the, this, you could argue maybe this is the peak of that art form, you know, subgenre. And I just think part of, part of why this remains as we record on the 35th anniversary, like essential is like, nothing's rooted in like other than him smoking on planes or whatever right, right. like yeah nothing's rooted in like 88 it's like the mm -hmm. jokes there then are great now it's like yeah. you know i feel like if you went back and watched the jennifer aniston movie you'd be like ah oh, that doesn't play as well or like oh okay like you know identity it's like oh okay this is really locked in 2011 and it's like and i think that's such a common mistake you know and i feel like and and identity thief has the unique thing of also being awful you know, it's absolutely well, it's one of the worst movies right. of this all time. This is my point. I mean, yeah. these are these are these are like very. It's that thing of like, well, let's put these two likable people in a movie, and I guess it'll you know it'll be all right. And you're like, well, no, there's more I to mean, it than that. Yeah. There's, there's more to it than you know. But certainly, the, yeah. I watched the Great Muppet Caper the other day, and I oh, came God. and I I came up with the theory that like if you can act like like phenomenally in a scene across from a Muppet, you're all oh, time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you're just yeah, yeah. all Absolutely. time. And it's Absolutely. like, and Grodin in this, he's so hyper aware for a guy who's being super still. He's so hyper aware of his body, his posture and how that changes entire scenes. Like 
I was just thinking about him with his big hunched shoulders and he's always like, yeah. he is taller than De Niro, but he's always sort of hunched down and he's never got his great posture until they then get into, you know, one of the, arguably one of the greatest scenes in this movie, one of the greatest scenes in any comedy, the litmus configuration scene. Oh my where, God. Where, oh, that's such a yes. good scene. Where, where, <laughs> where, where, he's where, like, do you dye your hair? Do you dye your hair? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, because his name's Red and he doesn't have Red. Oh, the situation. Man. What's the name of your establishment? Red's Corner Bar. Are you Red? Yes, sir. You dye your hair? No. Why do they call you Red? Oh, well, it's short for Red Wood. Uh, my last name's Wood. What's your first name? Bill. Thank you for your cooperation, Bill. Hank. Oh, these are all bad. Those are good. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, I love that it's it's just it's just one of those it's just one or of those he things. Slams the counter like you guys got twenties. Damn, like they were here. Yeah. Yes, it, it's it, it's just it's just one of those things where you've 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 got that the, these two guys who are so completely perfect but it's like he just changes his entire demeanor and he's got this straight posture and he's asking these weird questions and he's staring at De Niro and you're just looking at them going like this couldn't like that's it just blows your socks off because you're like oh look at the tools that this guy had and look at how much he's just been underplaying for the whole movie and then he just goes bang and he does this and his posture straightens and he starts looking at people out top yeah and just every every note is so perfect you're like God, that's why they're good. These two guys are truly all timers, and he is just unbelievable. And his, um, his, his, I think I always think his secret sauce, his secret weapon was he would like blow up like once a movie, right? So if like you watch the Heartbreak Kid, you know, at the end, Mm -hmm. he like freaks out. It's great, but all (laughs) everything before that, he's freaking out, but it's like measure he's trying to keep his cool and then at some point he just can't anymore and so that's why the scene on the plane that these things go down they go down <laughs> like that is the one time really and then maybe in the car and they're getting shot at where he's like you're the two worst bounty hunters right like right. he deploys it a couple of times and if you watch most of his best movies right like that's kind of the thing he's not overdoing it right and i think you know if you could like point to you know you know the current working comedians the closest you get to that and i don't you know and i like these performers is like you know your sedacuses and your batemans they have a little of that right it's like more chevy chasey maybe but it's like you know the cynical snide thing but i just don't know like you said earlier blake that anybody's bottled it and been able to like maintain it the way that Grodin has where it's like to your point it could be against Muppets it could be against Jeannie Berlin it could be against Robert De Niro and he can employ it tonally even if it's at a a low register high register whatever he can like employ it tonally in so many different situations like the scene where they go to De Niro's ex-wife's house which is like yes just like what a scene by yeah. the way like 20 out of 10 20 out of 10 i just was like watching it last night oh my god i was yeah, crying I was no crying. i was weeping I, <laughs> but like what's what's amazing about Ugh. the movie is that for whatever for as like you know for as kind of broad as the movie can get 
it, it does it at all the right moments. And I, I messaged this to Dan uh, when I was watching it last night that like, what a gift to just watch a movie make every correct decision, right? And like, <laughs> yeah. this is not the only movie to do that, but it doesn't happen that often. And when you're caught, and I feel like that's what makes it so rewatchable is because like, I almost feel like I find myself rewatching it expecting to find a thing right and then like it you're like oh no they it's still they just made every decision every right time and that scene at the house is like an example of that because they show up and it and opens with him saying i'm your mom's ex-husband yeah, <laughs> yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful like it's immediately funny and then you kind of you know if you're someone who's watched movies you're waiting for the older daughter to show yeah. up and you're waiting for maybe some kind of very, you know, sentimental argument or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that never happens. And instead they have what feels like a very real version of that conversation. Right. And Groden's just sitting there like he's the audience surrogate. Right. Just like observing all of this. Right. Yeah, and you're waiting for her ex to come, or his, yeah, you're yes. waiting for the for high the drama version. Yeah, yeah, you're waiting for the high drama version of the scene that never arrives, and it's mm -hmm. great because you're like, oh, I hope this doesn't do the thing, and then yeah. it doesn't. And I totally forgot how that scene ended. And I, when they're in the oh, house, the I was like, money. Yeah, money. I no right. And when they're in the house, I was like, oh man, it would be great if the daughter gave. Like I like forgot. Like I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that would be such a good touch. And then they go out to the car, and she goes out, and she's not even. I mean, maybe she's mad at him, but not in any kind of no. like dr uh. dramatic, visible way. And she tries to give him the babysitting money, and uh, he doesn't heartbreak. take it's heartbreak. Yeah, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. I don't know. His, vo his, his voice changes. When yeah, he sees her, yeah, his whole get, body changes. Everything changes. Oh, and great. Goes, yeah. And his voice goes up and he goes, God, so big. Oh, yeah, I'm, say it, I'm gonna cry. I that's I what I'm it saying. Is, like it's so it's, good. It's such a what like I don't know dramas that could execute that. Scene. Well, I, I feel like we so we say this yeah, on the B side all like, the time. We we say this, I feel like movies don't have that scene anymore a lot of times, right? And I think I get why and I and you know um I understand the reasonings I just think you know they're they're lesser for for not having them where it's like yeah. mm -hmm. you know you're not letting the Jack Walsh's be as you know complicated as Jack Walsh's where it's like you know he's you know was a good cop but probably a you bad know husband. like husband bad <laughs> husband yeah. Yeah. bad father you know obviously certainly you know a lot of you know psychosomatic issue you know like he's got mm -hmm. stuff you know and it's not just like it's not all cutesy i guess right it's like i think there's so many examples where you're just like oh man it's just that's i think another reason why it just lives on is i just think because you know like all these things it's like a diamond you know being mined it's like over time and just with process it just it looks better and better you're like oh my god like this we had this look at this this is oh my god look at it it's here Perfect. Yeah. And and Grodin says that. Oh, yeah, go, go Jen, go. Please, oh, really? Go ahead. Go, Jen, oh, um, Grodin says that about his own character. When he read the script, he said it was even a better. So as much as I loved my character in the Heartbreak Kid, 
I'm three-dimensional as the Duke. He said he actually thought that that character was better written on the page. You got different shades of them, different sides, emotions. And he was really eager to be able to play somebody that complicated. Yeah. And so, and you have that too with the De Niro character, lesser so with some of the other characters. But we also see differing motivational factors for Kodo's character and Ashton and, you know, even the characters that could be cardboard or one-dimensional have a little more to them, which is sure. interesting. Yeah. We'll be back after this quick break. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, and you even get like proto stuff that's become almost, I'd argue, too common now where it's like, you know, the gangsters who are tough, but also yeah, yeah. they're they're dumb, but they're not that dumb. And like even the Marvin Dorfler character, the John Ashton character, like he is dumb, but not that dumb. Right. Yeah, like right. he he can find, you know, He's slippery Marvin. The credit card, yeah. he, the credit yeah. card yeah. is such yeah, a he can yeah, we better cancel that card, huh? Yeah. You know, like you know, and John Ashton, a great character actor, forever mm-hmm. and ever, and 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 like, um, and even yeah, Yafit Koto, of course, great actor. Like, just has you know. John Ashton ever done an A side? We're talking to the B side. I'm oh sure God, let me look. I gotta look it up real quick. I think he might be a Mount Rushmore Patriot B side only. Yeah, B side only. B side only. B side Mount Rushmore. Still with us. Beverly Hills Cop, man. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's the A side. He's one of the breast boys. Yeah. He's a breast boy. Can I? He's in the new. He's in the new Beverly Hills Cop as we speak. Can I? Can I just say also, um, Jack Walsh? You you were talk. We talked about what long ago in our chat, but Jack Walsh for De Niro, I feel, is like Joe Hallenbeck for Bruce Willis in Mm. in Last Boy Scout. In that, like. It's a character that Bruce Willis is like, it might be the best written character of that era in a movie that was nowhere near as successful as some of his other massive movies. Obviously, John McClane, you know, is instant, right. was instantly iconic and that kind of dwarfed everything else in his career. And, you know, that'll be on the, you know, that, that'll be on his in memoriam for sure. But it's like Jack Walsh is just a fantastic character, like top to bottom. He's unbelievable. And it's so great. And it's like when any of us fans go back, you're like, actually, this might be the one. It might be the one. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, if you asked me to list De Niro's Mount Rushmore or whatever, like, I feel like a lot of the ones. I was thinking about this last night. A lot of the ones that people would list might not even be on mine. But like, this would definitely be on there. You know what are two? This one and then one other one. I don't know that would be on a lot of lists, but let me just use the platform. Mary he made Shelley's a movie around. Fun. He made a movie. No, he made though that movie's insane. Um, that God, you could do a whole podcast series on those movies. On anyway, um, um, Kenneth Brown pissed Francis Ford Coppola so off so much. Francis Ford Coppola's like, I'm not making any more of these movies. Literally. <laughs> anyway, um, 
But the other De Niro from the late 80s that no one saw that's great, that I love, and it would be in my top five, top 10 De Niro performances, is a movie called Jackknife. I was just going to guess that. Yes. <laughs> I love... Performance. I cannot overstate how Kathy good Baker. that movie is. <laughs> Kathy Baker's Fuck. incredible and yes. hers is good. But my God, De Niro, it's like he's doing the... He's doing the second hour of Deer Hunter, but yes. better, but better and 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 fuller. Okay. And nobody freaking saw that movie, and it's such a shame because it's like such a gift to like every well, actor Jen should did. watch that Jen movie. Did. So Jen, well, I know Jen, Jen sees Jen sees everything, Jen's but like, head. but other than us weird people who see Jackknife, but God bless us. Um, <laughs> it's so God bless us, everyone. I know, and it's so funny because it's like Jackknife. And Midnight Runner so different, and he made him in very you know similar times, and um, yeah. Anyway, just wanted to shout that out because that's just a movie that you know you cannot. I don't. Know if, I wonder if you can even find it right now. It's so good. Maybe it's on Tubi or something. But it's so it's so good. Tubi when I saw it a few years. There ago. you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Can we talk quickly? Talk about Yafit Koto. Oh and my how god! Much he hated Martin Brest. <laughs> yes. How yes. That, how yes. perfect that is for the movie. By the way, like it's <laughs> yeah. just one of those like it's kind of like. Well, because I'm talking to you, Blake, I'll use this reference. It's it's like Miami Vice and how Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx hating each other in real life actually just makes the movie yeah. 50 times better. A hundred percent. Because it's just that you can tell that that's what helps kind of thing. And like Koto the entire time is just has just this look on his face of like the fuck all this like, <laughs> i was a, in blue collar for Christ. Yeah, right, like, what right, the right. fuck is this like, does, anybody even, does anybody yeah, even i was in live bone? and let die like, you pieces of shit i was in bone yeah i was in bone um, yeah, i was in bone bones are, actually bones are i know it's I a know. great movie but bone i just rules. imagine in the four or five top five that yeah that Koto would be like i was in i was in <laughs> It, he says bone a movie that's the most dan mecca only, answer of all time only the pe- only people who have the criterion channel who have seen bone <laughs> oh, right like, um oh. but i love that matt damon story about when he got drunk in the bar and they had to like bring police in and do you know who i am and even <laughs> drunk he was funny it's like yeah. <laughs> i'm matt damon from we bought a zoo <laughs> i love that Sorry. They buy. You know what they? You know what's so crazy in that movie? They buy a zoo. They freaking they buy, buy that zoo. Buy hey, zoo. they did. Um, <laughs> that, that movie's not lying to you. Okay, you go to that movie, and they freaking buy that zoo. You think they wouldn't? They, they wouldn't dare. They wouldn't dare. They wouldn't If any of you critical shills out there want to deny <laughs> that they bought a zoo, that's on you. Buy that. That, that's yeah. a, that's uh, no, there's a whole there's a whole cult of people who deny that. Uh, it's yes, called Z- yes. Zuanon. Zuanon. <laughs> and they're all hundred million at it. the box office, but nobody's in the theater. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um no, but I just I think it it Koto really completes like the trifecta of the energy of Grode and, and De Niro, even there, even though he's like, you know, barely got any screen time with them. And it's such a it's such a fascinating thing because I couldn't help on my most recent rewatch, and I know that this isn't the intention of the movie, but I couldn't help but just thinking every part of it was a metaphor for Hollywood. Yes. And yeah. so and so like yeah. 
I was just like then doing the thing in my galaxy brain where I was like, well, then what is Kodo? And like what? And like, so Kodo's I just like a was... studio executive visiting the set Ex because he like gets him exactly. in the car. And Jack, <laughs> Walsh, when this is like, this is a term of endearment in Australia. So I want to apologize in advance. Like, like we use the C word and I won't say it sure. because of my lovely co-host. I won't just say it. We use the C word sometimes as a term of endearment. And a friend of the show, Stu Coot, is like, I miss when De Niro was a shit C. Like, he's yeah, just yeah. like, when he puts those sunglasses on in the back of that car, yeah. I'm like howling. I'm like, I completely, <laughs> I'm just like, that is such a move. Like, he's in the car with the FBI and this is a guy, it should be an extremely intimidating situation. Yafet Kota is extremely intimidating when he turns yeah, it on. And he just goes, puts it on and just starts smiling and looking at the guy next to him. And you guys all buy this from the same store? Like, it just, it's like, if, if Yafa Koto got me in the back of like an FBI car, it's I would over. confess to literally anything he wanted. <laughs> yes. Like I, I wouldn't. You'd be like, you'd be like, baby, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, I love bone. Dude. Right. Just I love life. bone. Right. No, but that's the secret sauce. I think to it is that, you know, mm. you mentioned the, the reason Groden works is because he's not intimidated by De Niro. Right. And the reason Kodo works is, you know, he's not intimidated by De Niro, but De Niro's not intimidated by him. So you're just like, he's just this like stalwart thing that is just so above oh, the movie and we got it like... we got to also just say before we get too late into this thing joey pants just oh, really oh. we love a pants i mean oh, yeah love him. talk about hot pants he is oh. just firing <laughs> off in this like i yeah and it's like well well you know not unlike the um oh my god what's the amazing actor um from was it perfect strangers who's in beverly hills cop the one scene bronson pinchot Bronson yeah. Pinchot, like yeah. not unlike you know a, a a well a well propelled Pinchot in Beverly Hills Cop, you get like one minute punctuations every like twenty five minutes of Joey Pants just like screaming off, the, you know, and it's so funny and it's like so perfect and like obviously he went on to make a career of basically doing versions of that and just being a total pro, but like. There's so much of that too in this movie. That's the thing when you say every perfect decision, it's like that's what that's kind of what you're talking about. And then I'll also just say too underrated is like writing a road trip movie is really hard because very like, hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like when do you stop? When do you speed it up? And mm -hmm. and me how do you justify a... how do you justify timelines? How do well, you that's... justify what characters right. are where? Like, yeah, I was and, gonna and, say, and yeah, credit, a, minute... a lot of credit to Gallo in that respect because it's like conveying time passage hard and then i would almost say harder is like manipulating like reasons to keep them on the road yeah. is like actually way harder than you'd think and like yeah. oh yeah this feels so organic all the shit that happens it feels like it would happen it feels like it could happen like there's not you know there's coincidences sure whatever like but like it's you, you buy them all you know you, you roll with all of those they're funny they work and really the speed, underrated the speed with which they go through some of those locations like in 50 minutes you've nearly done every location you've gone exactly. from like planes to trains to leaping off trains to rivers and to rapids, rivers and cars yeah. and rapids and like <clears throat> the movie's like just 
kissing two hours and it does its thing. And you're like the decision of when things need to be frenetic and breakneck and Jack needs to be moving and he and the Duke are running around and going from place to place. And to then when there's nice big stretches, whether it's a train carriage, whether it's something else, it's just like all those choices are so I don't actually know if there is a legitimate framework for them that you could follow if you were trying to teach someone a script. It is very intuitive to the credit of Gallo and, and Bress and the whole cast of like, when are we overstaying our welcome? And like you said, Connor, which I think I, I love is kind of the summary of this chat is like every right decision is made. If they do not outstay mm-hmm. that, and even when they get all the groceries and they and they're running to the freight train that he just drops half the groceries on the ground because the bag breaks like just everything <laughs> yeah. is like this is exactly the right amount of everything that i need and then it happens and then there's you know a sleep and then it's night and then it's like one night it's just all that because cinema cinema is that you know great time manipulator and playing with time is such a f- foundational core aspect of cinema it's like i don't know if there's a rule book and these guys kind of like did it and you can see so many if there's one thing about Midnight Run that in all the movies that I think all four of us watch is like, I'm like, so many filmmakers adore this movie. You can mm-hmm. tell it just drips from yeah. everything, whether it's from casting these guys, you know, whether it's Guy Ritchie, whether it's Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, like people are looking at this movie and they I, love I mean, it. PTA went on to cast Philip Baker Hall as a gambler named Sydney. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, you know, the, the law it's, it's, it's not to do some fucking thing. I mean, <laughs> have a cream soda, a sandwich. I'm going to cast him. Yeah. <laughs> heart eight is kind of like the, uh, it's sort of heart eight is to midnight run. What enemy of the state is to the conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. where you're like, you're like, it's not the same character. But I'm going to basically pretend it's the same. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pretend Harry Cole got loud all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's all I can pretend. And then with Sydney here, it's gets quieter and more manipulative and Mm -hmm. darker. And oh, man, there's a power vacuum. Farina goes away. So it goes away. (laughs) Let's talk quickly about Farina before we wrap up, who is absolutely outstanding. And this is the first movie that I think truly gets the ingredients of what, like we talked about Joey pants, like doing versions of this character. I feel like this is the template where people saw Farina and they're like, Oh, I, I get it. I, I it's not crime yeah, story. It's, that's it's, true. it's Jimmy yeah. Serrano. I need yeah. him to be the fast talking, eviscerate people completely tough. Like you know, get shorty. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. Th- this, all those movies that then did this character that he yeah, created. Big trouble. Just, yeah. yeah, he did yeah. It a lot. yeah. <clears throat> but I think- he's probably, the most sinister here when he when he says to Walt like yeah he get he gets more character caricature which is fine I love yeah. those mm-hmm. two but this one he has that forgot in the flimo where he's like he's yeah like, I'm gonna kill you and then I'm gonna and go find your wife. wife and I'm gonna kill her you're like whoa he, or not De Niro uh Grodin in the car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's he kind of because you expect I'm gonna keep the Michael Mann references coming but like you expect um Prosky in Thief, right? Mm-hmm. Like when when he's mentioned, right? Like you would, and and maybe not him specifically. Obviously, I'm just saying like that kind of character. You expect like of energy, yeah. a, a very dark, very shadowy thing. 
And instead you get, you know, you see Farina and I think he's used ex- like the cutaways to him. It's like exactly the right amount. Right. I think some lesser versions of these kinds of movies, like nowadays would like stunt cast someone like Farina and only bring them in for the one scene at the end of the movie, yes. you know, if, mm-hmm. after they've talked about him the whole time. So it's helpful that you see him because you're like, Oh, okay. Like he just, you kind of, you underestimate him a little bit. Like you're like, you're like, Oh, okay. Like I get that he's the bad guy, but he's, you know, he's got a little pep in his step and he's maybe not the guy I thought he was. And then that's why the scene later with Groden is so effective. Cause you're just like, Oh wait, no, no, no. I like, sorry. He's like totally the kind of guy that like Prosky is and thief or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, and the do- totally he says dark stuff to Jack too. He talks about his yeah. wife. He's like, Oh, you know, he's mm-hmm. a captain. Oh, da, da, da. like knowing yeah. the inherent corruption yeah. of the Chicago police department is just so fantastic. And, and he is a snappy dresser. He's dressing like De Niro dresses eventually and analyze this. I know we were talking sure, about it, but right, like he dresses right, in right. a super loud. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's got that Ace Ross scene thing about him towards the end. And he's, he's so fantastic. And then he's there. And, and again, it's just, it's that other thing that De Niro can do after such that hard hitting, you know, really like, like sniper scope, like intense dialogue that he can give. He's like, I'm, I'm going to say something to you. I've always wanted to say to you. It's like, what's that? You're under arrest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he just right. walks away. It's just beautiful. Like just everything, the line delivery. It's so just like, good. it's such a, it's so fantastic. Thank you guys for Thank coming you. on. See Ooh, you in the next life. You, you so beautiful bastards. You. <laughs> this has been Midnight Run Through with Blake Howard and Jen Johans. We'll be back next week with another episode, but until then... See you in the next life. See you in the next life.